0: And welcome back to another episode of Pardon the Disruption. Actually, a very, very special episode as I got a panel that is all in the same place at the same time, and that might get a little dangerous. We are fresh off of CG week. Collective Genius is in the building. I want to go ahead and go left to right and start introducing all of the panel today, starting with
1: Eric Brewer in the building live. Yes, sir. Hey what's up everybody Uh, I'm excited to be here in person this week we're normally doing this virtual Uh, we were here this week with Collective Genius out in Scottsdale so we had the chance to get together and I get to make fun of Steve in person
0: amazing amazing I'm excited for it
1: thanks for the invitation
0: absolutely great to see you in person too and to his right we have Mike Moulton making a special guest appearance Mike how you doing today
2: I'm doing great thanks for having me on love being back in the old Trang Studios (laughs) absolutely absolutely and to his right, don't
0: forget the g Leon Barnes. My guy, what's going on? Weasel,
3: as I said when I walked in the building, the champ is here. Yeah, he's here. In my inner alley, Leon T. <laughs> Barnes with the Collective Genius. We had a great three days, and I'm excited. Some of the questions today were pulled pretty much from the headlines of CG this week. So I'm excited to get this started. Excited to be in the house for the very first time. Thanks for having us, Steve.
4: Oh, it's my pleasure. Before we, I get into it. What market are you in, and what do you do? So I'm in the Charlotte market.
2: I do a bunch of different single-family um, things, and also do commercial, self-storage, uh, commercial adaptive reuse projects, things like that. Been in the game 20 plus
4: years.
1: And dance. I can dance. <laughs> I
3: can and dance. he's everyone's big brother.
4: Uh, Steve Trang, Phoenix, Arizona. Been doing this for 15 years, and obviously real estate disruptors. And we offer sales training.
0: All right, short, sweet, and to the point. Boss, man, what's going on? All right, everyone, if you are tuned in today, actually, before I get into the rules of the program, uh, there is a comment. Kip Steven said, no, RJ. I want to shout out RJ and CJ. They are not on the program today. This is a very special in-person episode. We weren't able to get them here for this one. But you know those are the guys. So shout out to RJ, shout out out to CJ. And they'll be back next week, absolutely, for sure. No questions asked. Hey, Weasel. Maybe, maybe.
4: We'll see how Mike does. Yeah, and
3: (laughs) also, how many points do they already have? They're not even here, and
0: I see you, they had like three or four points. Yeah, th- this is kind of weird. There's 30% for RJ already, and he's not even on the voting ballot, so that's interesting. That's really interesting.
2: Why do I feel like I'm being set up to fail here?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so for those who are unaware of how the program works, or for Mike, if you need a refresher on the, uh, on the rules, since this is your first appearance, we will ask you a series of questions, five questions, and then an audience-submitted question. Now, each question will allow you 45 seconds to answer on your own, and once everybody's completed, what we'll do is we'll then open up the floor for a little bit of sparring, verbal sparring and confrontation and argument. That's what I love. And then we will choose a winner after that. Now, stay tuned. If you are in there, we are going to ask for your votes in the YouTube comments, and I'm going to be assigning some very special points on my own today, maybe. So we'll see who, earn, or who earns one of those. With that being said, gentlemen, are you ready? Let's do it. That's yeah. right.
2: To...
0: Question number one. We'll start with? Eric Brewer, should you have a small, reliable group of buyers or a large
1: number of buyers? I think you should have both. Um, One of the things we learned in uh, Collective Genius these last three days is where the majority of business is taking place. And the reality is um, the two biggest areas where we're seeing people buy the most volume is institutional style buyers. We're just calling that people that do more than 25 deals a year. And then first-time investment buyers, right? So a first-time investment buyer is probably not on your buyers list. You need to constantly be recruiting uh, new people. Okay. Okay. Let's go
0: over to Mike. Your thoughts.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, it's hard. It's, it's a neat question kind of. I agree with Eric. I don't. I have to have my own points here. But I really think people need to be looking right now at your micro markets, right? Like I, I live in the southeast it's there's a ton of people moving down still to the southeast so to say if you're reading uh, news and people are saying hey buyers have dried up well there's micro markets right pull it by zip code pull it by areas um you might find out there's hot neighborhood there's hot neighborhoods in every major city every major town so they might not have seen a days on market uh decrease right so you really got to know where you're trying to get rid of stuff um so that's that's basically my input on that
0: Okay. All right. Within the 45 seconds, he's acting like a veteran already. I like it. Leon, your thoughts?
3: The answer is both. You need both. You have to have a small, reliable group. That's your 20%, the old 80-20 rule. Most people's buyers list have less than 20% that are actively buying. So you need to really treat your buyers like VIPs, the ones that are buying multiple projects from you. But at the same time, to Eric's point this week, we learned a lot of great lessons about really recruiting new HGTV type of buyers because those are the people that are going to pay more as we've normalized in the market, a little bit of a shift. Those are the people that are going to pay 90 to 100% on those assets. So you need to always be building a great buyer's list, but really take care of your reliable ones as well. So the answer is both. Okay. And Steve, wrap it up for us.
4: Uh, So for me, I would say uh, the larger group of buyers so i used to be the smaller group of reliable buyers but there's two things that's happened with this uh, shift first uh all the people that we built relationships with a lot of them kind of disappeared right they're the ones that are are taking are being more cautious and we thought you know if we build relationships now and you know much earlier we build relationships they'll be with us in the long term but these are the ones that all disappeared uh so i would say building a long a larger list that of people that you know will be willing to pay more i would say right now that is I'd much rather have that right now than uh, the small group of reliable buyers okay which i no longer reliable you could have just said
1: i agree with eric and saved us at least 40 <laughs> seconds there like everybody else did
4: it's, book. it's an or question or or it is a the power of and. it doesn't See, say a, a b or c read. all of the above it's called
1: the seven highly effect, uh, the seven habits of highly effective people you, you need to learn the power of and just because you asked me a broken question doesn't mean I'm going to give you a. Bro- oh, now we're going to yell at my team. I mean,
3: what, it's, you, who's responsible for them? If I'm yelling at them, I'm yelling at you. I think the key takeaway here, guys, is if we're advising in regards to you know, those that are assigning assets and, and, and building a buyer's list, what the buyers that were buying six months ago. You can't just rely on them to buy the assets because the market has shifted. So you have to be as active on building a buyer's list as you are on actually going after sellers. That's the biggest takeaway, one the of the biggest takeaways. The biggest
1: thing I learned was uh, I, I, I was fortunate enough, uh, and I consider it fortunate enough now, that I, I, I lived through you know, 2006, 2007, and the eventual crash of, of 2008. And the people that continued buying through 2009, 2010 were mostly first-time homebuyers. Right, like if you look at, we all know the price of gas is significantly higher. You know who's not complaining about the price of gas? A 16-year-old that got their driver's license two weeks ago because they didn't buy gas a year ago. So they, it, there, there's no comparison there about the price. It just is the cost. Yep. So first-time investors today, when whether they're paying cash or borrowing hard money. The, the rates and that stuff just do not impact their decisions the same way as a seasoned investor, which is who that small smaller, reliable buyers are typically the people that are seasoned. And when they see rates and values change, they normally go, hold on for a second. I'm going to let this sort of sort out before I go back in. Um, so that's why I think it's it's super important to have a larger buyers list that is comprised mostly of people that are new.
4: Yeah, I think for me, the biggest takeaway I mean, on top of this question was, being, intentionally, uh, being intentional about growing your, your buyer pool uh, on a regular basis. And it's something that we were doing before and we got a little complacent, we weren't as intentional or active with it. And it came back to bite us you know, with, with this shift. So I think going back to having someone on your team or multiple people on your team intentionally reaching out outbound touches to build relationships with buyers that are buying recently that's something that we we need to to modify in our own. I think behavior. a
1: good lit litmus test is to look at the amount of resources you have focused on buying homes, and it should be very comparable now to what it looks like selling homes. Like you shouldn't have seven acquisitions agents, a marketing <coughs> person, four lead managers, and one dispo guy. Yeah, right. It's just you, right. you you need to reallocate some resources. It should be more balanced.
0: <laughs> All right. So the voting is up right now. Uh, we are going to leave it up for a few more seconds, as we have a close race. Now, if you heard the chime, I'm over here giving points, because we're going to test out a new point system next week, so I'm just getting into the groove of things. But I just wanted to let everybody know that they got a point from me, so we're starting off very, very well. I appreciate you guys.
1: Weasel, you might want to check the chime. When Leon was talking, I didn't hear any, so I don't know if there's a glitch or something happened there, but uh, just maybe look into that audio there. Very, definitely going to go uh,
0: up perform a little bit of a a background check on that but i I swore i gave leon a point
3: yeah i know i heard it you know eric earlier you know eric's the oldest person on this panel he remembers when he used to go put a dollar at the gas station can i get a dollar on pump 10 and they would give him four gallons so that's how old that dude is i think
2: i I heard a cat meow every time leon talks I i have no idea it's bizarre.
0: Uh, Mike is fitting in and I like it. I like it. That's I'll, the
2: energy we need. I
1: like this couch versus that couch in a little royal Rumble. I think we're gonna come out on top so
3: <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I like- I would
1: I would be careful with my words over there. I, I got <laughs> just so
2: everyone knows I got moved from that couch to this couch because Steve thought that me on that couch with him made
4: him look fat so <laughs>
2: <laughs> Steve, can you confirm or
3: deny I mean
4: I'm just saying I, I like my I like my space. Yes. I like to be able to move my elbows. And
3: we might know. have to fly to Phoenix more often. I love <laughs> this. this. Fun, I love man. this.
0: So that concludes round one. Question one. It looks like Eric Brewer is on the
3: board.
4: Oh, Starting Chris. off quick, Eric. This is like clearly it. broken. That's we need a new point system.
3: Uh, you start first, you get the first point. We'll give you one. A- there we go. There we go.
0: All right. So, Eric, you know, the, uh, you know the drill. You'll start off question number two for us. That question is, besides wholesaling and real estate, What's another investment strategy that requires little to no money to begin?
1: I mean, I think there's a thousand of them these days, right? Like I was thinking about this the other day, and literally anything that is sold today that has a reasonable amount of demand can be flipped. And we've seen that a lot with social media, right? You can whether it's flipping couches, playstations, cell phones, um, all of which require very minimal money um, and have potentially big upsides. Um, I think real estate certainly um, is one of the few places you can hit you know, uh, seven figures, but, uh, I think there's a lot of money to be made in literally flipping anything that has a relatively low cost, but has a decent margin sneakers, right? Like sneakers, playstations, Xboxes, all this stuff. If you understand how to get the inventory, you can s- quickly turn it around and sell it because of the, the demand for a premium. Right at the 45 seconds, like a vet. All right. Second place
0: last round was Steve. So Steve, your thoughts.
4: Uh, right now, if I was to try to get into an investment with, uh, that's outside of real estate, I would use a lot of the same strategies, right? So uh, I would think cars. I think flipping cars is something that I know a lot of people had a lot of success, you know, buying it cheap and then going back and flipping it. Or the other thing, which I have not spent a lot as much time with, so I don't know if this is still as as profitable. But, I mean, we knew a lot of people during COVID that crushed it, flipping baseball cards and Pokemon cards and this and that. So, you know, again, uh, looking at kind of what Eric said was that Finding where you can buy things at a steep discount and knowing there's demand, that's where I'd be be going. So, probably right now, maybe Pokemon cards sound as ridiculous sounding as that is.
3: Doesn't that I require would money down? The
4: really ridiculous
2: part.
3: Doesn't that <laughs> yeah. doesn't I, that take some money down?
2: I wouldn't look good buying arbitrage cards. Get some private
4: money. Okay. <laughs> Reach out to Leon Barnes. Hey, got. I need some private money. <laughs> Dude.
2: Right. I'd rather have 1984 Topps baseball cards with the gum still in it.
4: The anyway. so mic's not my lender. Not, not for Pokemon. I'm out.
0: Before we move on to uh, Leon's answer for the question, I do want to highlight a comment in the chat. Ren Bartlett says, Brewer has his mom signed on voting for him. Watch out.
1: He's coming for some <laughs> points. <laughs> Le- at least I know who my mother is, Red.
3: Oh, <laughs> oh, wow! Emotional, damn it! All right, shots, Leon, it is your go. Shots sir. fired. This is uh, <laughs> this. I will uh, say that this was a this is a hard question for me because I am I've been so much into real estate for the last what now eight nine nine years that um, thinking about. What else I could do with little to no money down as an investment strategy um, is it's it's super hard, honestly, for me. But I will say that uh, there are a lot of people that I talk to on a weekly basis that started in something else and eventually got to real estate. And 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 I hate to agree with him, but I'm going to agree with Eric on this. You know, Ryan Pineda talks about all the time about flipping couches that uh, found on Craig's list for free. Um, you know, there are all types of clothing, uh, flipping anything that you can get on Craigslist for free, flipping it um, after doing some work to it, those type of things. That's the only thing I can think of, frankly. All
2: right. And Mike, your turn. I'm going to go contrarian on this one because I don't think people should be looking for all these different things to do. So if you want to do real estate, focus on it. If you're flipping couches or doing other things, I like Leon's point, but it's just going to take away from your focus. So, you know, I, I would focus on pieces of real estate investing that you can do with that little to no money. And you can always add value to other people's businesses, right? Like if you have, if you have more time and less money, call up some people in your market, that are doing deals or 10 RIAs or whatever it is. Meetups go, go add value to them, right? That's how you do it. So I'm going to say I've seen people do e-commerce businesses and things like that, but it just seems like a distraction. So go deep in one thing.
0: Okay. The voting is now open and the floor is open as well.
1: Hey, well, I think at the end of the day, one uh, one, and only one thing that Mike said that I thought was good <laughs> was, um, you know, you can get into a business that requires a ton of money. And if you have the ability to contribute value to that person, you can use their money. Right. So we may be thinking too small and saying, hey, you got to get into this business and you can flip couches because you don't need money. But the reality is, is you can flip, you know big commercial buildings if you go and find someone that has the money but could use your your labor so you can exchange time for money and get into that that's business that's, but that's just, a great
4: point it's kind of like what alex or mosey's doing right the guy that wrote the 100 million dollar offer is like he gave out a whole bunch of free content tells shows you demonstrates he's a leader uh that he can help uh you know with sales and marketing and then what he, he'll he do for you is you give him 30 mm-hmm. percent of your company and he'll come in as be cmo cfo yeah. whatever so yeah they're you know, talking about flipping businesses, you and I have talked about Kyle Malian before. and
1: Well, that's so that's a whole other thing, right? It's like, but we have a different exchange. We have the ability to be able to um, take a business that nets $300,000 a year and through systems and operations and leadership and sales, get it up to a million dollars. And there's people out there flipping businesses with no money down, right? right? Yep. Because there's enough equity, there's enough upside, that people that have money will participate as long as you go do the work.
3: We all struggled, including Eric, you know, on this, this question, because we look at a question like this and go, well, I can do a lot of different styles of real estate with little or no money down. And so our minds go directly to what we're currently doing or what else we could be doing as a strategy. We learned a lot about creative financing over the last three days. And that's the first place that my mind went to if I'm trying to get into an investment strategy. And I love real estate. This is a real estate show. I'm going that direction of adding value and in, in using real estate as the investment strategy, and that's why I struggled with this question—the first one I've ever struggled with on this show.
4: Is it
1: the
3: first one? First one for sure. Okay, I'd go what back I to the Eliminate well, the, the shiny the, penny, man. The other question
1: you struggled with, Leon, if you don't remember, is uh, I asked you to name all the things you like about Steve.
3: That that one, yes.
1: yes. Uh, still haven't got that reply back. I, if you could, uh,
3: I'll work on that yes. this afternoon. We're still at
1: zero. Thank so, you. Yes, appreciate that. Got
4: it. I like how you highlighted Eric with the struggle, struggling with the question. Other thing too, you know, to Ren's point about you know. Uh, Eric needing his mom. I mean, he has his mom in his TV ad. Yes. Right. So I think we will hear- bring in Eric's mom. <laughs> 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 like Jerry Springer.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. The voting is a, uh, getting ready to conclude right now. We actually have a tie between Leon and Mike. So we're giving it a few seconds to clear that out. In the meantime, I do want to uh, let everybody know that there is a part of the Disruption YouTube channel, an official YouTube channel. You can catch all the clips after the show from this current program and all of the previous programs as well, as well as uh, many social media pages. So just search search up Pardon the Disruption. You'll be able to find us all on there. Give these guys some love in the comments. And this voting is coming down to a two-way tie. I think it's official. I'm waiting for it to close out, but it looks like Leon and Mike both have a point. And I'm going to give them both a point.
3: What? Yes.
1: So if this, co- go. Hey,
2: if this is a tiebreaker. model
1: of mediocrity. It's, it's like the guys, <laughs> when they win, they can't even win alone. It's a, Dude, hey, actually, actually should, He didn't even answer the, the
2: question.
4: Place. Mike didn't even answer the question.
2: I gave the freaking premise besides of the whole real estate, summary of the whole discussion. Besides
4: real estate. He's like, no, real estate.
2: Add value to someone else. <laughs> is business. And then Eric takes it and repackages all right. it. All
1: right, Mike, what's your reply? Her- <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: That was uh, Ren via satellite from the men's room. (laughs) All right. If this is a tie, we're going Greco-Roman-style wrestling right here. There we
0: go. There we go. Till the death. All right. Till the Uh, death.
4: Question number three. We we need views. We need views. We need views. That'll be great content right there. Great content.
0: All right. Question number three. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns, was banned from participating with the team, any basketball-related activities, uh, for one year. How would you how would your business fare if you were forced to leave it
2: for a year? Let's go ahead and start with Mike. I'm going to be completely transparent. We would hurt. It, w- it would be tough. I, um, I've got my wife Jean in as our COO now. Uh, she's she's been learning the business for about a year and a half came from a strong corporate background. But um, yeah, without without like the direction and the vision that we have that I have, I have not put that on someone else. Now, I, I would not feel comfortable. So I'm being honest.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Is that his buzzer? <laughs>
2: that should be his buzzer. Bring, bring in. Just, well, you know, I could lie, uh, but cue the grunt. I
1: knew. Yeah.
3: I knew Mike would be perfect. We're gonna for have the show. to make that an official sound.
2: I think that was Eric's donkey, pet donkey, <laughs> that made that noise. By the way,
3: uh, let's go over to Leon. Your thoughts on it? Well. For those that don't know, I do have a real estate investing business. It's not as big as the three gentlemen that are on these couches with me, but um, I built the business um, that I have, a rental business and flipping business, um, to survive without me. Um, It is in the Midwest, and I live in Tampa, Florida. So from the perspective of if I left it for a year, I I pretty much have done that. Um, I still have some five to 10 hours a week that that I work in that business, but I built it So that it can run without me. Generally, what you see is that most that are involved at a super high level, when they do leave, they find out and they figure out that they have people that can step up and lead their teams. And um, I've built it that way on purpose. And if I left, they probably would do more deals without me. Okay. All right. Uh, Third place last round was Steve. So go ahead with your thoughts.
4: Man, I I wish I could say, like, it'd be perfectly fine. You know, I wish I I wish I could say that. You know but, they're
3: listening right now.
4: Uh, <laughs> and they're listening. They're listening. But uh, the reality is, there are lots of challenges that we run into on a regular basis as we grow. You know, as the organization we have, we have a lot, a lot of people, and you know, the the biggest challenge of every organization as you as you grow and scale is the people, right? It's the humans, and so I think that you know we have to get involved on on a fairly regular basis because of the the conflicts the misunderstanding, the communication, the challenges that you you run into. In any organization, and so uh, the where I provide value isn't really in the vision or, any, or or even the problem solving really is just working with other people to you know solve a problem together. And I would say that's probably the the, the reason why we would we would struggle if I, if I wasn't involved
0: uh, Steve, just for clarity's sake, are you speaking on the real estate side or on the media department side? I'm just just wondering.
4: I'm saying. Hey, we do need to finish the everything. show. Okay, we do need to finish the show. Hey, one, everything.
2: One, one point on this, too. I think it, this, you know, it, it's also what kind of business do you have, right? Do you have nine different P&Ls, nine different things you're doing? Do you have one thing? Are you doing long-term rentals? You could probably step away from that a lot easier than if you were doing heavy development or whatever.
1: Can but. someone read, Mike, the question again? It's about <laughs> your business. So unless your business has nine P&Ls, Mike, I think not, probably we have the, the camera in front of you so you can't read the yeah, question. It does. <laughs> and honestly, it does. it does. And we've
2: been working to skinny it down because it's too much. So I couldn't walk away at this point. Okay. Yeah. Uh, awesome. so, Good.
0: Eric, you still have your 45 seconds to answer the question, if you'd like to take that right now.
1: I think so. I'm going to say one thing. And uh, I'm extremely blessed that um, I am not overly involved, if, if even at a uh, moderate level involved in my business and and they do f- phenomenal um, but I think the tough part about that is you know it wasn't long ago where I would have answered that question much like Mike did and um if I were away for the business from a day I felt like there was a lot of problems and issues that would pop up so um, it's it's wonderful for me to be able to sit here and tell you that I don't think and I'm pretty confident that my business would would do extremely well without me being there um It did this whole week um as an example right i I just haven't been involved at all for the last four days Um, but i can tell you i started that process probably close to four years ago Um, so it's not something that happens overnight you can want that to be the case and you can't just evaporate from your business and um expect people to take over it does take time
4: okay i mean i would say like you know a month at a time i think we're totally fine right a month i'm gone we'll be fine a year i mean there. What's the difference kind of well,
1: so between a month and a year? Like, if they can get by in a month, what would happen in month two that they weren't able to solve? I, mean, I would challenge you. I would say, if you can go for a month, you can go for a year.
4: I would say the challenges that come up are the, like, the reason why we have our businesses, right? Is that we've solved complex problems, right? And most of those complex problems, our team have been able to handle it. But then as they handle those problems, there are new sets of problems that they struggle with. And that's where our How experience. How do we learn? By resolving those issues
1: right so how will they learn
4: resolving those issues but right. they still need someone I think to have uh, I think that for someone to make a decision that can alter a company's direction right like we're talking about uh we had COVID you know two years ago we had this rate hike <laughs> we had this rate hike in June right like not everyone would respond to that the same exact way and I think that's that's that part where we need to be able to come in and provide like if nothing else the safety for them to make that decision
3: but to his point he said that he has been building up for the last four years that means he's built an executive team that if he wants to leave tomorrow he's done the work for four years to build that up so if you've taken the time to do that you should not have a problem with a year two years or any of those if you've done the legwork up front one other thing i'll say here that needs to be said we're talking about our businesses but we're also talking to a lot of business owners We've talked a lot at at the Collective Genius for the last few years about this. Being in the owner's box, where everyone thinks they want to scale to, it's overrated. There are not many people that ever get to that point, and there are select few. There's outliers that do get there. But what have we been talking about for the last year, especially the last six months with market shifting, correction, whatever you want to call it? This is not the time to be in the owner's box. This is the time to be involved. If you've got a team that you've taken for four years and you've grown, they're going to need you even if you've built that team just as counsel, because you have seen the shifts. Right, Eric, your team hasn't been through those type of shifts, so it's. I know this is the question, and it's 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 our answer for our businesses. But if we're speaking to business owners, it's 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 this dream that everyone has, and I think that we get into a point where everyone thinks that that's how they they get successful it's okay to be involved in your business every day and continue to grow and scale and support your team
4: yeah and i'll say as a suns fan we might finally win a championship without that idiot owner there
3: <laughs> i hope so i mean think about it like it, and it's
1: not just exclusive to professional sports teams but how many times have you heard the team the players the staff the coaches say i wish the owner was more involved never no i you know yeah Never. Yeah, I don't think so. Right. So I I think there's uh to to I think depending on who you're talking to, Leon says being the owner's box is overrated. I think it's understated the work that goes into that. It's not just a a, a position where you can say, okay, I'm the owner now. I'm not the operator. You actually have to develop people until they are able to operate the business in a way that allows you or you are a afford- you have to be effectively to go to the owner's box. You have to fire yourself. As as a resource inside of the business, that's Which something means you have to replace that resource. It doesn't evaporate, right? And I think that's where we make a lot of mistakes. Is you know when you're growing a business, you hire your weaknesses, and you retain your strengths. When you move to the owner's box, we haven't hired our strengths yet. We've specifically hired our weaknesses. So when we move to the owner's box, our strength will immediately become. The company's point of vulnerability because we've we've never hired for that. It's like if I'm really good at sales, Steve is really good at sales. He's not going to hire a bunch of salespeople. He's going to hire probably operations-based people, right? But when you leave the organization, where's your weakness now?
4: Sales. Yeah, yeah. So and this that's is... that's the
1: thing I think that sneaks up. And then we go, you know what we do then? We go. I knew that wouldn't work. I can't be in the owner's box. Well, no, it's in theory it still works. We just made a mistake.
4: And I think just you know to your point, I mean this is what Eric actually coaches on, right? Succession. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, a lot of valuable insight there because you actually help people.
1: It's hard. Like, I can true. tell you I had a few phone calls with um, some folks that I work with that as they were leaving CG, we, we, I helped them sort of debrief. And what am mm-hmm. I going to work on? What am I not going to work on? And one of the, the folks that I was working with today is like, I'm worried. What are you worried about? Well, I'm worried because so-and-so is worried. Well, okay, well, why is he worried? Well, he had a different set of circumstances. Don't, don't absorb mm-hmm. other people's worry. What's the reality in your market? What does your business look like? Right, And then a lot of times what we identified is he kept using the word fear, and I was like, we got to stop using the word fear. You're worried. That's okay. Fear is going to modify your behavior, and you're going to do things just to, to, to get away from the fear. And I would tell you 99% of the time that's not the right decision for the business. Let's just call it worry, and then we can replace that worry with knowledge and, and, and some confidence, and then we'll make decisions.
3: Out of all the segments that we've ever done on this show, uh, this may have been the most informative at the right time across the board. So high five, everybody. Everybody gets a point. Everybody wins. Everybody gets a point on this one
0: for sure, for sure. But it looks like there's actually a two-way tie as we go into closing the voting. So we'll give it a few seconds here to close out. Uh, and then we will announce the winner. But right now it's between Leon and Steve. So it's a close race. Close race, Steve, on which hopefully the Suns can win a championship as a Knicks fan. I'm hoping that someone finds any potential dirt on James Dolan. And maybe he, <laughs> he might potentially be in the same I boat. Think you don't too- have to look too far. Hey, right? on James. hey. I got
1: mean, is- <laughs> too. Just, just oozes dirt. To I, don't your, get it. I To don't get your it.
3: point, Weasel, though, if we're talking about owners and not being involved, look at the franchises on any sport that actually win and win um, often. They may not always win championships, but they're always winning. They have great leadership at the top, no different than business. I, th- there's not. Name me one franchise in the last twenty years that's won a championship that we all thought the ownership group was horrible. I mean, what are you, my choices? Give me, give me three. Basketball, NBA, NFL, and Lakers. Ma- Lakers. Lakers, horrible. <coughs> Point for Brewer. Defunct. That, that's Back to the drawing board. <laughs> to go for <laughs> uh, Hey, so that's, that's, should officially be in the league that's, not the voting weasel. That's a that's a bubble championship, though. That's, I'm going to go
2: with Tiger Woods. Ha <laughs> <laughs>
1: By the way, Mike broke the couch, I think, on the back. I, think I, I think I did. I By simply reaching for his water bottle. <laughs> My and God. He hey, keeps hey, scratching at the door
3: like a baby kitten. <laughs> Eric, when I leave here. just be careful. We do not want him turning green. No. <laughs> do not be pissing him off. Okay? So I was the Incredible
2: Hulk for uh, Halloween one year. I'm going to find a photo. and. He send didn't it to dress Steve. up. He just <laughs>
3: showed
1: up. <laughs> <laughs> they said, <"Look>, the Hulk's <laughs> here. No costume
2: Listen, the ladies were lined he up, okay? but was barefoot. <laughs> all
0: right, so uh, the voting is in. It looks like Leon just edged that one out oh, at forty-one percent with the, the wrong votes.
2: answer. Yeah. All right, Jeez. all right, fine. Weasel, are there participation trophies at the end so everyone wins?
0: Uh, negative, negative. We haven't received any sponsorship yet to provide those. <laughs> uh, we do have a nice comment from Marshall Johnson. For my business, it would be very tough for me to be away. Like most newer businesses who haven't faced a lot of those ups and downs together, facing crucial problems could damage the culture. Just really
1: quickly, any thoughts on that before we move on to the uh, fourth question? He's 100% accurate. I mean, I, I think there's um, you know, some merit to what Leon said, surprisingly, about being in the owner's box, being underrated. Um, it's, a, it's what a lot of people talk about, but when you look at the actual work that has to go in to make that happen, it is excruciating. It's difficult. It's got a high likelihood of failure. And it's in often cases, it's the opposite of the work that it took for us to get a business in the first place, um, which is looks a lot like obsessive behavior. We uh, work 90 hours a week. We make every decision like that's the opposite of what it takes for you to be able to step away. It's hard.
3: Now, do all of that work. And then if you want to get to a part point where you want your team to continue to develop, leave for a week leave Mm. for a couple of days. You'll start to stress test that business and they'll start to make those decisions without you, and now you can start elevating your team and also realizing that you can be away. Do all the work and then start with one day, two days or a week, and, and then you can go from there. So I'm one of the Leon's
1: votes go down each time. One, one of like the, You should probably wrap it up so that he gets a, a point here.
4: One of the best things that happened for me for my business was actually me tearing my Achilles tendon, you know I was out. Couldn't do anything. Is that when
3: I crossed you up earlier this week. No, no, I'm fine now. I'm fine now. Emotional
4: damage. <laughs> but, emotional damage. But I was locked away right for uh, weeks at a time uh, in in my room. I couldn't uh, function in my business. Couldn't run you know a regular meeting. This is yeah. way before Zoom, right? Yeah. And my business actually did better uh, for a few, uh, in that time I was gone.
1: You know, one thing I think is cool that we learned from uh, Jeff Hoffman, who we just saw spoke a, a really good exercise that would help us um, start to, to knock down some of the walls that keeps us sort of chained to our business is the, the what do you call it? The uh, five year old for a day where we just ask. And I bet a lot of times when people ask why we do things, it would be because Steve said so or Leon said so or Mike said so or Eric said so. Um, there's a book that I was reading not too long ago and he said you have to realize as the business owner you are scary to people even if you're not a scary person like if I walk down the hallway of my business and I say hey could you make sure that tomorrow um, we have enough paper towels in the bathroom it Just it's not urgent like that becomes the most important thing for that person because you're the owner of the company right they're just going to respond differently so I, I think uh, that's something that I'm excited about us doing in our businesses um, for those of you that are watching Jeff Hoffman who's one of the founders or the founder of Priceline.com. It's worth $90 billion, he, he said yesterday. So um, there's a lot to be learned from that guy. But he said in his businesses, one thing he does is he has five-year-old day. And uh, what we know about five-year-olds, they literally ask why about everything. We're going to the grocery store. Why? We need food. Why? Uh, we're gonna cook it. Why? <laughs> well, because we need to stay alive. Why? <laughs> right. So they have that in his businesses every year. They have a day where they question everything they do, and he said each time they do it, they 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 become like 30 to 40 percent. Yeah, more they efficient. streamline
4: their business. Yeah. So their that's a, good way,
1: a small step towards if you want to create more freedom in your business and give your your, your yourself the permission to be able to step away is just start with that. Like, why do we do things? And I think a lot of us, if we let our people speak openly, you'll find that it's because Steve
2: said so, or Eric said so, obviously, it would be
3: just- Not Mike.
2: Well, it's because I dress like the Incredible Hulk every day in our our office, (laughs)
4: All
0: right, moving on to uh, question number four, and we'll start with uh, Leon on this one. What are your thoughts on Bank of America announcing zero down payment and zero closing cost mortgages for first time home buyers in black and Hispanic communities nationwide.
3: Did we just add this question? Because I did not see this on this, the pre-question. This looks question. like this was a
4: curveball, so you get started. You get to start Absolutely. with the
3: curveball. Absolutely, curveball. My thoughts on I, I can't read the screen here, guys, so give me a second. You I'm you gonna, get, either, as he was I'm gonna get very uncomfortable, uh really close I think he's here. To Steve. Close zero to Steve zero <laughs> down, <laughs> There's There's zero like nine cost words. mortgages, and first-time home. Buyers. See, Steve, you should have kept me on that couch. <laughs> I wouldn't well, have done that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be real honest. Uh, anytime that uh, first-time home buyers have any incentives to buy home. Homes, uh, I'm all for it. Um, and as a seller of homes, especially in my market, I, I I sell primarily to first-time home buyers. That's that's the box in which I sell in. This is it's great for not only my business but also the Black and Hispanic communities. I I think it's a great idea, and it's something that uh, will continue to help people get into homes. And as we know, statistically, communities are better when more people own homes. Like that, I like that. All right, uh, let's go over to Steve Train.
4: I think it's an absolute disaster. Um, so the the great irony here is that Bank America is doing this, which is Bank America bought Countrywide, and Countrywide was fined like one hundred and thirty million dollars for doing this exact same thing, uh, pre, in the last crash, right? So um, you know what led to the housing crash we had in two thousand and seven was because we were giving loans to people that weren't necessarily prepared to take the loan. So if you look at this program here, they're talking about zero down, zero closing costs, zero PMI and, uh, and no credit necessary, right? To give a loan to a person who has a credit score in the low 600s or in the 500s, who doesn't have a history of making their loan payments or making their credit payments, you're setting a person up for a failure. I mean, it's unfortunate, but I, th- I, think, I think it's gonna lead to bad results. Good
1: points, good points. Uh, Eric Brewer. Yeah, I think the, the, the difficult part is that as a real estate investor, it's anytime you're going to help people qualify um, and make it easier to, to you know walk down the path of home ownership, um, why would we not support that, right? I think Steve addressed the difficult part of that, which is if anybody has a problem with it, it's generally, I and mean, let's just be honest, it's because of the nature of who they're offering it to. Some people might say that that's reverse discrimination. I'm not saying that's true or or it's not, but the reality is, is like, why is this program only offered to some people? And if the requirements are different than they've historically been, I think to Steve's point, the concern would be, um, will these notes perform? And then what are the the, the downsides uh, potentially of them not performing? I generally am okay with it because I think it just has a positive impact on me for the the, the short term. Um, But I think to Steve's point, there could be some long-term adverse effects okay great points all around mike bring us home
2: yeah i'm i'm okay with it i don't know for whatever the reasons are that they decided to i guess they obviously have a ton of data but i would hope that they would learn to steve's point um through the last downturn to at least tighten their underwriting so it might be like zero down or zero closing costs but um also that those people are capable and have the income and everything else to be able to get the home and we we do manufactured housing as well and those loan programs are a lot different than um some of the standard ones for a stick built single family so i would hope that b of a would also um because i see that the subtopic here is affordable housing so manufactured housing is an amazing way to solve affordable housing so i'm I'm hoping that those programs also address um that product line Um. And also b of a isn't offering that nationwide that's in like what 38 markets or
4: yeah like so that. i i cut my teeth right on short sales and foreclosures right i was the one that was working for bank of america to go knock in their door that got foreclosed and said, hey you got foreclosed on what do you need to be able to move out of here like that was me like knocking on the doors uh, so the reason why that happened was we had the ninja loans right no income no job or assets mm-hmm. we had the SISA alone state income state of asset loans the reason why we had that problem is because we were giving the loans to people that weren't prepared to make those loan payments, right? I mean, yeah. when I went through as a realtor from 2007 to 2011, when I was working with people, I only had two clients ever have their loans decline, right? And were everyone was saying, like, the loan requirements were too difficult. Those are the two people I would never lend my money to, right? Everyone that I would feel comfortable lending my money to were the people that got qualified for loans. I think if you're looking at situations where someone you're giving money to someone that's never doesn't have a track record of making loan payments, I think you're setting them up for failure, trying to look like a good so guy. So, you clearly, the
1: reality though, right? Is that there? There could be. Let's just be honest: that it, all of us have a different upbringing, right. right? And and there were certain resources that were available to us because of where we grew up, what our parents did, the jobs that they had. The reality of this is that I think what they're trying to accomplish is saying that. The lack of credit history for this person mm-hmm. is not an indication that they're, they lack the ability or the willingness to pay. I remember being young, and the hardest thing about applying for credit, it goes, well, you don't Get have some credit. credit. And I'm like, yeah. well, no shit, I don't have credit. You guys <laughs> keep telling me no, but I got a job, and I'll pay. <laughs> Right. Um, I think one of the things they're doing. I don't know if it's Jay Z or someone else that's been leading this charge, and they're going to start utilizing um, and requiring like rent payments to be reported on credit bureaus for um, cell phone bills or other utilities that don't generally report. Um, A lot of these folks are making some type of payment; it's just not recorded. Like, let's face it, the credit scoring system is is really messed up, right? Like, if you want any proof of that, you can pull three bureaus, and oftentimes there's a hundred to two hundred point difference between the three credit bureaus. So I think the intent here um, is good. I I think they're creating opportunity um, in communities where um, rightfully or wrongfully, they have a a, a reduced amount of opportunity, and this is supposed to even the playing field a little bit. Um, So I think if it's done responsibly, and you can look at, like, the biggest thing I would look at is do they have the ability to pay?
3: So that's If they have the income
1: and there's no derogatory history, Oftentimes, and by the way, for Bank of America, what better relationship to build with someone when they said, hey, when I couldn't get approved, I wasn't qualified, everyone else told me no, you said yes, that's likely to create a potential relationship that would last for a very long time.
3: Every account that they would have down, down the line, this is smart on their part. I mean, this helps Charlotte, obviously, Bank of America's headquartered there, but you obviously had more information on this question and loaded it for all of us because it doesn't say anything about credit score up there.
1: Why, it's it's basically there's no credit requirements that's yeah. it's uh the details of it are uh, they're going to be able to arrive um, at a decision in underwriting that doesn't include the typical f- you know four to five things income credit history um and 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 so forth like they're going to look at you and say the property qualifies in this community yep. we're incentivizing home ownership in that area and we're going to derive this decision outside of the normal credit and income yes. and repayment requirements. And, so. and,
3: and if that's the case, not knowing that going into this question, obviously, um, I'm all for affordable housing and every community have access to buy a home. But we buy homes all the time from people that should not be homeowners, right? Yeah. The, the, yeah. the The lack of repairs and those type of things that are done to a house. Over time, five, 10 years, uh, ultimately, not everyone, um, you know, they, they, everyone, I would love for everyone to own a ho- home, but not everyone's made out to be a homeowner. On top of that,
4: I mean, we, we sell the dream of home ownership and I, I'm all behind that dream. What we don't fully disclose at times is the amount of money required to maintain a home, right? That's, and that yeah. is where if someone's really <clears throat> struggling to qualify for a loan, and now you're setting them up, now, They may not be prepared. They might not have the $2,000 to repair NACI. So my
3: follow-up question would be, does Bank of America, you guys know more about this particular question, does Bank of America actually have a program in place to make sure that, because they loan money because they want that money ultimately to come back to them, right? Banks loan money because they want money, they want the the interest of it, right? But they also want that that money back.
4: I really have no idea why, why they're doing this. I, I saw this. I, I would have think no idea. I would
3: think gonna. that, I, well, I do. To Eric's point, you know, it's good publicity. And if you, typically the, the bank that you have your mortgage with, you're more apt to do business with. Multiple savings, uh, checkings, account, all kinds of car loans. That's ultimately what, the, it's good publicity in business. But if you're going to do something like this, you do need to have a hand-holding program, especially with it. Now knowing that there's no credit requirement,
1: it has a little political feeling to it yeah. as well. Like, h- how much money or how much influence does the federal government have in banking? A lot All of it. And is it possible that this program could be, you know, the repayment of a favor? Is it possible that it comes under perhaps? Yeah. And so, and I'm not saying it is right. It's just like the older I've I've got, and certainly in the last four years. Uh, I think everybody's paid a lot closer attention to to politics than we ever cared to before, and now I have this like sneaky suspicion that every time that something happens, and and what triggered for is when Steve said, "I don't know why they're doing it." There's a reason why, and if it's not obvious as a as a lender, as a business owner, as someone that is entrepreneurial, if we can't look at it and say why we're doing it, and I think we can talk ourselves into sure. to why it would make sense, and I think there's a lot of good reasons, but we don't know that that's the case. It has this little slithery feeling of, like, yeah. a politically charged sort of favor, um, which is, you know, at the end of the day, if it works out and it creates opportunities for
3: people, who cares? That's that's what I was going to end with. This is my community. This is where I grew up. And so I didn't, you know, we, my mother raised four boys by herself, and we rented every home that uh, we lived in. This is my community that I grew up in, uh, in northeast Kansas, Kansas City. This um, if these are type of programs that help families like what I grew up in, right? So selfishly, I love the program, but obviously there's, there's some consequences potentially from the program.
1: I think there's, um, I, I don't know the exact words that might mess it up, but like the broken window theory, you guys familiar with that? Yes. Yep. So, and I think at the end of the day, what, what looks like a, a mortgage play, a lending play could actually be a way to incentivize, um, two parent households, mm-hmm. right? Like they might know that like, if there's. Um, if you own the home, well, I, I would imagine there's probably a lot of times you just can't pack up our leases up and leave. You own the house. I bet there's instances where you could you could uh, you could attach a two parent household to home ownership. I bet there's a, a, a significant increase in coincidence between whether or not you own a home and whether or not the family has a higher likelihood to stay together. Well, what happens when we have a two-parent household? We know that typically uh, the experience for the child is better. They have a higher likelihood to complete high school. They're more likely to attend college or go to a trade school. So maybe it's that. Maybe this is a grassroots program that is attached to some other we'll call KPI that says, hey, if more people own homes, there's less crime. If there's less crime, we have less people in jail. If there's less people in jail, we have higher college participation rate. We have, um, you know, greater employment rate. We have more people that are able to go out and be gainfully employed and contribute to society. So... I, I try and find that's the, the that's, the that, that's the long term. That's the I would hope that would yes. be an
4: explanation. I love everything you said. The syndic in me believes that everyone in banking is evil, <laughs> so. So that's especially what I'm saying, Bank of right, America, it's like either it's politically. <laughs> what did he say?
2: He said, he said especially, especially bank. bank of America. And he's yeah. from Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs>
0: really quickly, guys. Uh, Larry asked a great question. He says, how does B of A get around equal opportunity lending laws with this? Uh, They're in literally... bed with the
4: government.
3: Yeah, it's got to oh. be a federal program. Yeah.
0: OK. OK. Quick answers. There we go. Uh, all right, the voting is ending in a landslide for Steve. Steve was
1: sixty
3: nine percent of the votes on this I've, one. Okay, I, I've never heard landslide and Steve Trang in the same <laughs> sentence before.
1: Stick around, you'll get used to it. I thought you did a good job, Steve.
3: Uh, easily
0: one of my favorite rounds so far of the program that we've since, as long as we've been doing this. That was a really, really informative, uh, opinion based one. That was great. That was great good discussion for sure. Great discussion for sure. Also, um, watch
4: The Big Short. I think everyone at Bank of America should watch The Big Short
0: the big short. All right. We're on that. Uh, question number five, Steve, we're going to start with you. Are we in a time where we should fix and flip or keep uh, properties as a rental?
4: Man, last week, I would have said that if you can keep properties as rentals, I would say you should keep properties as rentals, but man, I'm, I was in a room. Uh, oh no, this is uh, we we're actually part of the disruption last week, right? <laughs> we had RJ, uh, Eric and Sage just like, Oh, screw rental. So now like it's all in my head. I, Personally, I still want to buy rentals. Uh, so for me, I would say if you can buy rentals in a market where it makes sense, not Phoenix, uh, I would say we should be keeping rentals. If it makes sense, as part of your long-term plan.
0: Okay. Uh, second place last round was Leon. Your thoughts?
4: I'm going to say what I say in the office
3: quite often. Both of them. We're going <laughs> to do both. Both of them. And here's why. The fix or flip model is one that you can do in almost every market. Rentals. Some people can show you how to do it from a creative standpoint that you could do it even in Phoenix or markets like California, New York, what have you, right? You can do both, but we've talked about this before on this show. The best way to create a passive income is to have a really big active income. And so in order to have more rentals, you have to have active income to be able to do that. So fixing and flipping is a great way to have active income. Wholesaling is a great way to to build active income, but you should do both. Even if you're in a market like Phoenix, you can find rental properties in other parts of the country to still do this model. Both of them. Hey,
1: uh, Eric Brewer. To recap, what Leon said: blah 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 blah. That's coming up as forty-five seconds. Blah 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 blah. That's all
3: jealousy. I
1: think the number one rule that I've heard from anybody that's ever amounted to a significant amount of money is that rich people sell real estate, wealthy people hold it, and we we tell ourselves all these stories about having to fix and flip homes and blah 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 and do all that stuff. The reality is, is if we had the discipline and we're able to 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 figure out a situation where we could fix where we could hold rentals and have and have that create active income, which we we can do, right? The birth strategy allows you to be able to generate active income tax-free and still hold the property. It requires a significant amount of discipline. It requires almost an endless amount of capital. But the reality is if, if you're just talking about which one's better, it's always to keep as rentals um it just is um we, we talked about that last week and i decided that like i don't want to own single family rentals but i'm going to sell all of that to buy just multifamily. There's still going to be rentals it just looks different than it did when i was building my portfolio the first time okay and mike bring us home
2: yeah i think you know it's in we're in a time where you well, you can always do fix and flips and or rentals but you just adjust your buying criteria right and your percentages so you can take the negativity and the media use it with sellers get stuff cheaper I think to Eric's point with the burst strategy, as long as you can get these rentals financed, um, which which was a challenge, right? it can be a challenge. Uh, you go to local banks, but rates went from like four and a half percent on the uh, no doc product or, or yeah, the non-QM product to six and a half percent, like literally in six weeks, we had some that we were doing. So my, my theory is um, I agree, wealth is built by holding property. I wish I had done more of it when I was younger um, and, Fixing, flipping, fixing and flipping is great if you're good at construction and that's a strength of yours uh, to be able to get better assets. But I really, really believe single family rentals are a good way to uh, get appreciation. And then you can look to move into bigger assets, like Eric said, like like multifamily self-storage. But don't do single family homes for cash flow. Do it for appreciation.
3: So to recap, uh, Mike says, see what Eric said.
1: Uh, you're, you're you're Michael not win. too
3: old for me to take over my knee. Now
2: that's a very good answer.
3: It is a very good answer, Thank and you, you know the, the, this is the model that I run. Um, I don't um, I don't really sell much um, retail. I'm trying to hold everything I can, and you know when I get to you know 100, 200 doors, um, I have the ability to pivot and do something else with it if I don't want to manage. A couple hundred doors i can go into other things but uh yeah wealth building of course it's rentals
4: and you know getting a chance to meet uh, i had leon johnson he was on a show a couple years ago and meeting some of the other guys that have been doing this for a long long time their biggest regret consistently is that they ever sold anything
1: yeah i never met anybody that said i just wish i would have flipped more houses yeah <laughs> like never <It's> right <laughs> <laughs> never it's a grind. ever ever yeah. have i heard someone say that i just wish you know i would have flipped more houses if i could have just Flipped another fifteen <laughs> a year for the last forty years. I'd be in great shape. I but think about I, I,
3: I think yeah. about all the houses that I've sold over the last five years. Think about them all the time. Both yeah. of them. And yeah, all <laughs> all three of them. I'd be in a much different spot right now. Those both <laughs> of them, just like you said. I wish I had both them
1: houses <laughs> back. But no, I, I've uh, I've been at this a while now, and I think well, I'll probably cross over like the 3,000, 4,000 house mark soon. And if I had like of those, my my lifestyle would be significantly different. Um, I would have contributed a lot less to the federal government's um, tax plan. And, um, you
3: know, so I think there's a lot
1: to be learned from that. People that have been down this road before us will always look back and say, I wish I would have kept more To Mike's
3: point, though, and he did make a really good point on there, because a lot of people that watch this are, are probably in that startup phase where they're either flipping just a few or they're wholesaling. You got to get really good at construction. You know, if you're wanting to hold rental properties, I always spend more up front, which means there's more management of contractors so I don't have to worry about repairs later. That's full plumbing, that's full electrical, guts, those type of things. You know, getting really good at construction will make you a very wealthy human being. But, you know, there are you've got to spend time on that and building relationships with contractors like we were talking about earlier with disposition. You have to get really good at building relationships with buyers if you're assigned, you have to do the same thing with contractors.
0: We had a good uh, comment from Jose. He says, would you pivot towards build-to-rent properties if you are holding long-term? There's any thoughts on that?
1: I mean, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think it's a, it's a great model. It requ- It's a different skill set. Like, I can tell you um, buying land, developing land, um, getting through the approval process, the permitting process, Hiring, you're, you're gonna have a different set of contractors that do your new construction, that did um, your remodeling. Um, it requires different funding. Everything about it looks very similar, but it's it's different in its own way. Um, but Build the Rent's very popular right now. Um, people are paying a premium for it. Um, but it, it requires that, you know, another level of, of, of knowledge and experience, which almost often um, or certainly will come with some level of failure. Um, we built two homes last year out of ten or so that we lost money on, and why? Because it was the first ten that I ever built. So, yeah. um, you have to be able to absorb that um, when it comes. And uh, when I say lost money, we, we bought them, thought we could sell them for a profit. Instead, uh, we were going to sell them to someone that was going to hold it as a rental. Instead, I kept it. So now, instead of you know generating hundred thousand dollars worth of income, I have a hundred thousand dollar down payment in it. But that money didn't go away. That's the other part too. There was a large part of my portfolio that I accumulated in 2012 to 2015 that were failed flips. It was like I flipped the house, went over budget, didn't sell for what I thought it was going to sell for. And I was like, I'm not selling that and making six grand or losing 10 grand. I'll rent that. Right. And I just refinanced the like 30 or so of those and pulled out a significant amount of money. And I didn't do anything right. I just didn't sell it. The
3: only thing I did right was I didn't sell it. You two are perfect examples of this. If we look at the members within our community, um, you know the people that have been in the, in the group five to 10 years, they didn't start by building. Most of them are not new construction people. They were either wholesalers that graduated to fix and flip, that graduated into holding properties because they now had more active income. And then... They graduated either into multifamily or building new construction. and A lot of build-to-rent. Three years ago, build-to-rent really went, started going crazy because money was cheap, and um, people could not find uh, enough deals, and so they had to, to to make deals. You know, they had to make or pro- uh, build properties. Right. You two are perfect examples of that. You didn't start your careers building. You kept growing your business, getting better at construction. And now it's a bolt-on to your business, not your main strategy. Not saying that there aren't people that do that as their main strategy, but for most of the people listening, that is a gradual thing as you start to really get good at construction.
4: There was one thing I heard in there. uh, Should I pivot? And I think pivot is a a key word here, right? Like if you have a profitable business today, I would try to figure out how you can potentially add to this. It would not necessarily, if you have a profitable business stop doing what you're doing and then put all your efforts over here because there's so many of us as entrepreneurs i've been guilty of this where i was like oh you know this is going really good over here let me just stop doing all this and put all my eggs over here so just this is not the time
2: yeah i wanted to say too on that um build to rent model i mean that that's really where that's that's one of the fewer products where one plus one equals three meaning you know, I've seen it numerous times in the Charlotte market, other markets. If you can get really good at development and you can knock out like a 2040 house subdivision or whatever it is, there are groups, I think to Eric's point on the takeout, like there's real estate investment trust. There's people that will pay. When I say one plus one equals three, you know, you add up all the individual properties and they're worth 10 million bucks. But these guys will pay 30 million bucks for that cash flow. Right. So I think that would be if you had that focus to develop that that there's always going to be a group probably to take you out you know
3: right so. but that is what you just gave uh, to the audience here that is a full construction company Oh,
2: dude, yeah. right
3: it's that's fitting. no longer marketing and sales company that is a construction company there's a difference
2: I, I mean after doing some of this myself even with these cross-modulars we do i wouldn't go back and do one-offs i would do you know minimum eight to twenty uh home subdivisions and i would go with a GC company that has all the systems, has builder trend, has uh, everything dialed in, production coordination, all that, and not try to build it out myself, just personally, because I think I'd rather pay them for their expertise and be better at setting up the deals and raising the money than doing that.
3: We've seen that model in CG many a time over, where someone you give up, you give up more percentage of of, of the deal. But you don't have to deal, you don't know construction, you don't want to learn construction, and that's the best way. If you're going to go that route, that's the best partnership you should be looking for as a trusted GC, if you're going to go that route.
4: It just became suddenly inadequate. I'm gonna, Suddenly? I, I'm only going to just build. I mean, if it's not 8 or 20, the it's not real.
1: discovery was sudden. The reality uh, <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. I really so appreciate sudden.
3: it. But it's like, yeah, I'm we, not going to do it if it's not We love 20. you, but you just give us softballs all I the mean, time. I mean, it's just like, you know,
4: if it's not 8 or 20 <laughs> in the subdivision, I don't know this.
1: <laughs> all right. Well,
0: we're moving on to question number five. or oh, I'm sorry. Question number six, which was the audience submitted question. So, guys, here's the question. Besides America, where else would you consider dealing real estate Let's start with Steve. Who won the last round? Oh, Steve won. I'm so sorry. Sixty nine percent. Okay, boss. I see. You. That was on, a W for you.
4: On the it was the same one for the rentals or uh, or fix and flip. Fifty eight percent. I'm sorry, Steve won. Oh, thank you. You in, you inadequately
2: <laughs> rent uh won. Huh? Yeah. You were
3: inadequate, but you won anyway. He That's good. It's like, freaking awesome. Hey, it's good enough
4: for everybody else. I don't care about you guys anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm connected with the audience. You guys, we're just, clearly
3: not voting on this side. You guys
4: can just see yourselves out. It'd be totally fine. Me
2: and the audience are like besties. Like we really are.
0: <laughs> we're working on a uh, a two-two tie right now between Leon and Steve, but Mike and Brewer also have one point each. So this is a big last round here to decide the fate of the show. So again, Steve, besides America, where else would you consider dealing real estate?
4: Oh man. Uh, this is, this is a tougher question. I think the things I would be looking for are places where you can actually hold title. Um, you know, I wouldn't go to any countries that are either socialist or borderline socialist. I'm looking at Canada here. Uh, Mexico, you can't actually hold the title. So I don't know, probably somewhere in Europe, uh, you know, maybe in, in London, England. Um, I'd say probably England because you can actually hold title. I don't know how well it cash flows, but uh, England is one market that I think that there are some people actively... Wholesaling and flipping—not a whole lot, but I think that's the one market I've heard people actually doing it.
3: Okay, all right. Uh, Leon Barnes, uh, this is a this is perfect timing. I actually had this conversation last night with someone from England, and um, they base I said, "Did you? Why are you investing in the U.S. versus where you're from?" And they said, "The blue tape is so tough, and um, it's it's just not easy to cash flow in London or anywhere in England." Uh, there's a lot of Blue tape, red tape, blue tape. You can tell I've uh, flipped a few houses. Red tape instead of blue tape uh, to get through in London. But here's where I'm going. I'm going to America Junior. I'm going to Canada. Here's why. Not because um, uh, anything other than I've seen the model done. We have two uh, Collective Genius members that are from Canada. One of the two is the largest wholesaler in the entire country. They're based out of Toronto. They have shown that the model, although it is a little bit different uh, it is they have used the American model and it's one that I know can be done in America Junior. So I'm going to Canada, eh?
1: All right, all right. Uh, let's go to Eric Brewer next. Man, this is a tough question. I, I don't know that I've ever even considered this before. Um, I think my my first inclination would be to 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 follow up with what Leon said because Canada feels more like America than anywhere else that I've ever been. I feel like they operate generally by the same Set of rules when it comes to real estate, um, we speak the same language. Let's not think you know. You, there, when, wherever your answer might be, if you speak a different language, you're going to run across a whole set of challenges that that you may have overlooked. Right? So, I know construction. Well, if you don't speak their language, you don't know their construction. That's a big problem. That's why when I vacation, I love to go to Jamaica versus Mexico because they generally speak English. It's just easier for me to get stuff right. Um, so I, I, I would go with Canada because I think, A, it's closest in proximity, B, we sh- we share the same language for the most part, um, and then I think finally, like, the, the style of homes and construction and all that stuff, communities, are very similar, if not almost identical.
3: I see what you did there with the A. I see <laughs> what you did there. Like bed knobs and
2: broomsticks, but you know, no one here has seen bed knobs and broomsticks. So. Hey, would you that's stop
3: referencing the 1970s and 80s please? This yeah, audience well, what the hell is are in you their 20s, about?
2: dude. That's when I became Mike Banner.
4: <laughs> what is it?
2: Uh, bed knobs and broomsticks. It's a Disney movie. And they say, "Hey, Hoser, get me a Disney beer. <laughs> yeah. Shove off, you knob, movie. eh?"
4: I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Dude. You are losing the audience.
3: (laughs) Did I just wake up? (laughs) Where am I? This is the coolest
4: studio.
1: Where am I?
2: Larry. easy don't break the couch oh you're my god all right i'm gonna bring up like a britney spears concert and see if anybody knows who she is i don't know
0: mike you still technically have your 45 seconds to uh, to answer the question don't questions. feel compelled
2: to use it now weasel i'm glad you asked this question because it's 100 percent ethiopia i would go to ethiopia i would find the cheapest dirt i could find no i'm just kidding all right i'm gonna do the audience a favor again we live in the greatest freaking place on earth. Why are we even getting distracted with this question? This is not, this isn't. I agree. Canada's the easiest to probably go over there and do real estate. But just stay focused, stay here. That's what I got. That's I don't my, want to
4: brag, but I got an email from the Prince of Nigeria. So, oh, did he uh, ask
2: you for funds? We want a JV on that deal.
1: I'll <laughs> <laughs> split the five million with him. He's we gonna just have to send him two hundred. Yeah, he's gonna so send he me
4: can... some. I'm gonna send him some money. Yeah, that's, right. Right. that's a fair deal. That yeah. is a very fair deal. Yeah. Um,
3: So that's twice now you've stiff-armed a question. It, it's a it's a
4: dumb question. I, I'm going to tell it's, it's a There's a dumb reason why he came off the bench. Like you guess, want all uh, Steve Trang's
2: audience to just go to like Puerto Rico and start buying shit. Like into the well, well, Puerto, well, but
3: Puerto Rico is a part of the US, so that's, yeah. you know, that's different. Uh,
2: True. You know, you I actually do, hudhomestore.com in Puerto Rico has a ton of inventory.
3: Yeah, I mean there's I mean there are a lot of people in real estate that are buying in South America, and they're buying uh, I mean hell uh, Jason Medley um, has owned Property e. in Mexico in, in the past, uh, founder of CG. So I know there are people investing uh, in other countries, and it's really instead of stiff arming it, let's get some thought provocation, uh, provocation, thought, thought.
2: Asking a lot Provoking. of Mike right
3: now, Leon. Thoughts? Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> not wavering on this. I'm
2: it's, not getting bullied by the big guy over here on the couch.
3: Yeah, none of us. None of us are. Thoughts. None of us are going to I, uh, foreign countries. But yeah. if we were to do that, where would you do it? And, world. We're living in pretend world, Mike. Yeah. Let's and, give Mike a chance here.
1: What if you were to choose a dumbbell? Which <laughs> type of <laughs> dumbbell <laughs> would you choose? Would you go metal? or a composite. Mike, what do you have to say? I would go with the
2: Eric Brewer dumbbell. <laughs>
1: yeah. If you were to pick a protein shake, would you go strawberry banana or would you go vanilla? Mike.
2: You're provoking me as Bruce Banner, and I'm going to turn green and rip your head off.
1: Nice.
0: Good pull. Oh, uh, I, I want to throw a little curveball in there. Steve, I was hoping maybe you went this route, but like, are we Qualifying the metaverse as somewhere we could potentially just—that's been say. awful
1: quiet lately. Steve was real That's weird into that, and then it's been. Cri- can you cue up the crickets there, Weasel? Uh, I, uh, I can
3: give you this I'm one. I'm actually bro. having an event <laughs> this. <laughs> <laughs> actually, telling you the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> NFTs, bro.
4: I'm actually having an event this Saturday talking about blockchain and real estate. How we're tokenizing real estate. We're marrying. You the should two call world.
1: them NFWs.
4: No flipping way. <laughs> That's bet money, on it. I just just don't bet don't money on it. I just don't understand
1: Money or just a non-fungible
4: token? Do you wanna, do Money. You want money? Bet money? Real money. Why can't Real we money. bet
1: a, a, a
4: piece of... Because uh, unfortunately, those things aren't valuable. Oh, okay. Got it.
0: The voting is... It's actually really close, but Steve is edging away with this victory. Anybody want to make a last point really quickly before with, it closes out? With England?
3: He gave us England? Yeah. England.
1: <laughs> London Fog was the winner there. Ah, There you go. Thank you. Thank you. It
2: wasn't a Disney movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sending you this movie. (laughs) Your girls are going to love this movie.
3: Who did that
0: voting? Matter, yeah, close I, it. I thought Canada was the good answer. I thought yeah, that was a good answer, but Steve
1: pulled away fifty percent. He's back there on launch control texting in <laughs> votes for Steve.
4: So that'll I'll give him a it. booster seat at the podcast. I'll accept <laughs> it anyway. I, I will cheat, lie, steal however we gotta do whatever we gotta do to win.
0: There we go. There we go. With that, you actually win this week, boss uh, man. So congrats to you. Home court. Home court
4: advantage. <laughs> I gave you guys an opportunity to be here. <laughs> You're in the court. Anyway. Steve, how do you feel about the W? I feel like it was well earned. You know, I was feeling inadequate a moment ago. These guys really helped shovel that in there. And so this win, I'm feeling adequate again. Now I don't have to feel like I have to, you know, flip right 8 or you 20. you to, to the restroom, then you're we're feeling adequate again. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. This is a, this is a Listen, family show. You do when you sit down, it's entirely your business. It doesn't matter <laughs> to us. It's fine. <laughs> Shots fired. Shots fired. Hey, Mike, you want to be, you want to replace him for the show?
2: Yes, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Every so, time you, you do California.
1: that. <laughs> North Carolina, Mike, what do you have to say? <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> is it Mike Mulder or Master P? I don't know. Who, that is. who is that?
0: Oh, I don't even make goodness. that noise. That's awesome. <laughs> this was amazing. This is one of my favorite shows, for yeah. sure, for yeah. sure. Gentlemen, I thank you guys for being here with us, for
1: sure. I definitely want to go left to right really quickly, have everyone sign off. So, Eric, let's start with you. Yeah, man, I appreciate being here. Today was pretty cool just to have the opportunity. We always have a lot of fun on the show, but being in person adds a whole different uh, layer to it. had a lot of fun. Um, regardless of what we do on the show, I love all three of these guys, and uh, it's just a blessing and an honor to be able to spend some additional time with them today. And uh, if you're not watching this show, I think you're missing out. Like, we, we have fun. We, 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 you know We make fun of each other. We try and make light. Um, of what are oftentimes important topics, particularly today. I think, I mean, we, we ran, you know, what, an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes today. Um, yeah. It's a good indication of the stuff that we talked about. If you're not tuning in for this, if you're not watching the replay, if you're not tuning in live, you're missing out. I mean, mm-hmm. these these conversations and these topics um, are important items that, that you know, once you start digging in and, and you learn more about them can really have a positive impact on on your journey as a real estate investor. Absolutely, absolutely. Well said. All right, uh, Hulk. Anything to grunt? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes.
1: Don't give him a point. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I'm gonna keep my shirt on for this, but no, I appreciate like Steve and you guys all having me here. It's awesome. Echoing what Eric said, these guys are awesome. They're they're great to throw uh, throw questions off. We bust each other's chops. You got to be able to take take a joke in this business. You know, everything's stressful. It can be stressful on a daily basis. Things change, whatever, but I, I want to say the same thing. Tune into this show. Get your questions ready. Send them in. It's the great forum to be able to get stuff answered, right? If you're if you're stuck on anything, get them ready. Tune into the next episode, and Steve will, Steve will take us home.
1: For the record, that was the first time Mike actually answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> on
2: the board, I thought he was just going to say
1: eggs. I, <laughs> I just throw it in the show, Weasel. Like, why would you do that? You're stupid. Good job, Mike. Mike, I feel
2: bad for you trying to get to your Uber after this.
0: Mike, thank you so much for being a special guest today. appreciate your conversation. highlight special.
1: Yes,
2: very special you are, sir. Dude, you are literally this close. you are got to get a little molten knuckle sandwich. A little molten lava on your head.
3: Just saying, it'll make for great content. We can ex- use a clip. <laughs> I'm excited for the ride back to the hotel. You know, we spent the last three uh, three days in the Collective Genius uh, Mastermind. And all three of these guys I met through that mastermind. And all three of these guys I consider brothers. That's why we're up here having a lot of fun and not necessarily fighting yet. Um, but that's what brothers do. And we're all here to to help each other get better in this community, but also as part of the membership the excuse me the leadership of the collective genius i can tell you that i had no more than 10 people come up to me during the 3 day event and say i just love the format of this show and these are people doing 300 400 500 transactions a year if not more 10 million dollar businesses and above and say so the way that you guys uh, give value and give your experience during this show and that shout out to rj and cj as well the the value that they give on this show, everybody that's been on, even Mike, even the Hulk, <laughs> gave a lot of great uh, information here today. So uh, this is my, this was my favorite show, and I look forward to every Thursday. And I hope that uh, you continue to watch this as well. Thanks for having us, Steve.
4: Absolutely, uh, it's absolutely my pleasure. and It's an honor, right? And uh, you know, just to kind of uh, allude to what uh, Eric and Mike said a moment ago, you know, uh, the value here on the show, I believe, is is, is top tier. And if you have friends that aren't watching this, I'd highly recommend you share this with them because we just spent three days together at a mastermind. Some of these topics came up from the mastermind. So you get a sneak peek, right, of what we talked about for the last three days. So I think, uh, uh, to Eric's point, there's incredible value here. Share this with people that aren't watching this. And then, you know, what uh, Mike mentioned, you know, if you got questions, submit your questions. I would love for us to debate some questions from the audience, right? So reach Send out. DM us on uh, DM me on Instagram or post it in the comments. And I would love to add these uh, questions. I think for a future. cool way
1: of looking at it is you, know, you probably heard someone say this before. It's like, man, I wish I could be a fly on the wall. Yes. Yeah. So we're just normally having conversations. A lot of times the show is conversations that, that are extended beyond what we talked about at lunch or what we're talking about we, when we get together at the mastermind. So this show really gives you an opportunity to be a fly on the wall to hear the, the conversations that take place around some really important topics. I, tell you, I think I've
3: told you this before, that uh, when I used to eat those government cheese sandwiches when I was a kid, I used to think about the secret societies that all the rich people uh, went to and had all these secrets for success. And I look at uh, our mastermind and this couch, and these two couches, might have one and a half now than what Mike's done with that couch. But I look at these are, you know, all the information that's shared. This is all from our experience. And not only our experience, there are 300 members in our community that we get to go three days with, um, for me, seven times a year. Um, So I get to share their experiences as well. And so I just, it's a a pleasure to share some of these secrets.
4: And uh, we are still looking for a sponsor. We're going to be needing a new sofa. All right, so we're all looking for a new sofa. We'd like to
2: reach out to Lane Furniture and see if you're watching. <laughs> Restoration Hardware, if you're there. Submit your uh, your model in hey, the comments. give me
3: one more, Eric. Give me one more.
2: <coughs> Dude, now I'm, get,
3: <laughs>
2: I'm getting really nervous. Hey, is there room on that couch?
1: What you have for lunch? Rocks. <laughs> Dude. You just do eight, like, two boulders and a two-by-four.
2: Eric, why are your shorts tight right now in the front? I don't I'm not wearing any pants. I'm not wearing any pants. Like, he
1: went to like just
2: do this. He went crack. Dude, this this. Demo this sh-
1: day, demo day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
2: god. I, I hope the show gets some traction man. so you can get some like restoration <laughs> hardware <work> out to <laughs> do
1: I left for five minutes about the sound again. Oh my god, I was, I was looking at you just dying.
2: I'm like, dude, oh like the legs are gonna come off and just we're gonna just <laughs> drop. Since, since
3: oh weasel, I don't think there's a better way to end the show than oh, that, I, like, oh is, I don't even. <laughs> want Wanted to end. This was an
0: amazing episode. Again, thank you guys so much for oh tuning in. Thank you guys for being a part of the panel. <laughs> Eric, great to see you again. Leon, great to finally meet you. Mike, here, bro. amazing to meet oh, you. You too, man. Boss, buddy. man. Great job with the W. We are back each and every Thursday morning at eleven thirty AM ish. We will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Part of the Disruption. We're out.